Jingi walla blagami arako dogum. Jendamani nyali garamanyali nya. Nyali nya nyathan nyathan jen. Garamanyali tugun gunu. Wana jangma malagunu gala tugun. Nyali nya tugun gunu. Bogube blagame. Thank you, Delta K, a Raku Bunjalung woman, for welcoming us to country. Delta is a long-term supporter of Byron Writers Festival. You're listening to Conversations from Byron, a podcast series featuring writers from the 2020 festival lineup. In this session, Yumna Kassab talks with Sunil Badami about her collection of short stories, The House of Youssef, which is available for purchase from the bookroom at byron.com. Hi, I'm Sunil Badami and welcome to the Byron Bay Writers' Festival podcast series, Conversations from Byron. And although we're not in Byron, I'd like to acknowledge the Arakwal Bumbabum people of the Byron Shire as the traditional custodians of the land on which we, I guess, virtually gather. I pay respect to Elders past and present and ask that you share with us respect for country. Well, speaking of countries or homelands, you know, growing up I was always being asked where I was really from. And I'd always say to people, I'm from Sydney. They'd say, no, where are you really from? I'd say, well, Blacktown, but don't tell anyone. We don't want to affect the property values. (laughs) Then they'd say, no, but where's your mum from? And I'd say, well, she's from Blacktown too. They'd say, no, but where was she born? And I'd say, well, she was born in India. And they would say, well, I guess that means you're Indian. Does it? From our first peoples to our newest arrival, stories tell us not only who we are, but how to make sense of how we got here, connecting identity and place when knowing either can sometimes be tricky. And today we'll be going to my own imaginary homeland, Sydney's western suburbs, where I grew up, as did our guest, Yamna Kassab, who's written a remarkable lyrical collection of short stories, The House of Yusuf. I'm not quite sure if a collection of short stories quite defines this intriguing book, which depicts many of the places I grew up in and portrays the lives of many of the people I knew growing up, whether they were Lebanese immigrants like Yumna's family and community or the Indians and Maltese and Chinese families I grew up with, all of us sharing many of the same feelings of isolation, hope or belonging or for what we might have lost or left behind. The stories in the House of Yusuf are told with such economy and precision, they're almost vignettes or, as Yumna has said, photos, which heightens their emotional intensity. Yet, collected into sequences which seem more like flashes from a family album, thrumming with nostalgia and regret and telling more than their subjects could ever say. It gives me real pleasure to introduce this talented woman and writer who was born and raised in Western Sydney. She completed her schooling in Parramatta, except for two formative years where she lived in Lebanon with her family. She went on to study medical science at Macquarie Uni and neuroscience at the University of Sydney and currently teaches in regional New South Wales. Welcome, Yumna. Welcome. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, before we begin, can you please read us something from the House of Yusuf and, and tell us a little bit about it? Okay, so the piece I'm actually going to be reading is The House of Yusuf, which the book is named after. Um, and it is the first piece um, about this particular family. It was the first 
well, it was actually the first piece that I wrote in that particular sequence. Um, yeah, and I think it sort of foreshadows what's going to happen to this family. The House of Yusuf. There's a hole where their house used to be. Two weeks back, a bulldozer came in and levelled the house. They've been digging ever since. The other day when it rained, the hole filled up and they couldn't touch the ground for days. Even now, there's a puddle as deep as your knee. The son was the first to go. His uncle says he went interstate for work. His aunt says it was a girl. Either way, a telegraph pole killed him. It even made the news. The police say it was drugs and speed. We urge motorists to slow down these holidays. They buried him over there. His uncle says he told everyone the boy should have been buried here. His mother didn't make the funeral. They kept her knocked out in the hospital. After that, it was the daughter. I heard she went to clubs. There were men and bad friends and the drink. She was found in a country town raving like a crazy. They say she did not know her own name. I'm pretty sure for the father it was a heart attack. Healthy one day, gone the next. Five hours they tried to get him to hold on to life, but sometimes you have to let them go. That's what the mother said. The mother, she wasn't long after he went. One person says the pills got her, another the sadness. I say she had a bad heart. Like that, the Yusuf family buried within a month. The house, some say it was unlucky. You hear stories, they make you not want to live there. It is good they knocked it down, took out the foundations too. It is a hole now, but soon they will make it flat and put in concrete, and then it will be something new. Wow. You know, I, I have to say, like when I grew up in the western suburbs, I was struck by all the things that were knocked down or built over rather than those old kind of cathedrals or, you know, heritage buildings that you might see closer to the centre of the city. Why do you think there is so much erasure um, in the western suburbs or new places? Well, I suppose maybe there's not as much connection to what was there before. I noticed that in the suburbs around where I actually grew up, that a lot of the well, houses have been knocked down and built over. And the actual first line came from a family friend's house that I actually drove past. And I remember looking over, they demolished the house, and I thought, well, there's a hole where their house used to be. Um, yeah, it's quite common. I suppose, you know, people want bigger homes. Um, maybe the existing home doesn't actually serve their purposes. I find that quite sad because, um, yeah, I do like old things. So why is place so tied to our sense of self, Yuma? I mean, the house of Yusuf is so intrinsically connected to that place where we grew up. I mean, the, I recognise some of the houses in on the cover of the book. What it is, is it about a connection to place that's so important to our sense of identity? I think that actual, um, the house that is on the cover, um, I think it's... Um, a painting and I think it mentions Maryland's and I think whenever people actually see that house they know exactly the house on that cover and um, I think well I've noticed that with my stories that place is very important um, in terms of factors in terms of writing setting is 
you know, one of the main factors that you actually consider. But in many ways, you know, it forms our identity when we actually change where we are. It does also affect our sense of identity. Um, yes, yeah, so by people actually moving, you know, we don't necessarily see ourselves in one place as we do in another. It's very integral, I think, to identity. I mean, as I mentioned at the beginning of our chat, in Australia, I'm Indian. And when I'm overseas anywhere else in the world, including India, I'm Australian. Now, you've actually lived in Lebanon, but does that happen to you? Um, why do you think that might be? And how do you feel about that hyphen between Lebanese and Australian in Lebanese Australian writer? <laughs> um, I think in many ways it's a question um, when in Australia I don't really like to answer because I think that I'm not entirely sure where the person's coming from in Australia. When abroad, I immediately say Australian because it seems very clear that a person is like, well, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Australia. It's very clear. Um, but I sometimes think that things to do with, um, I suppose, culture and um, background and other things, that it's not always very clear where a person's coming from, like what their motivation is. It, you know, is it curiosity? Is it, I don't know, interest? Is it justifying some internal idea? Um and it's a bit hard to establish that in conversation. I don't necessarily really like the hyphens. I would prefer to be just known as a writer. But I suppose with this collection that the it is about migrants, particular migrants in a particular area. And I think that's why it sort of comes up in conversation about the book. Now, look, I grew up wishing I could leave Blacktown and Greystains, where I grew up, as soon as I could. What made you return to Parramatta, both literally and in literature? Um, well, literally, um, at the moment, I don't live in Parramatta. I've been um, in regional New South Wales for about two years now. Um, but in terms of literature, it was something that I avoided for a long time because I thought it was quite an unexciting place to write about. And I think one of the things that really motivated me to write about Western Sydney was it goes back to that question of change, that Parramatta, where I grew up, you know, there's been a lot of building, there's a lot of very high-rise buildings. A lot of my favourite places from about the 2015 time period are actually gone. And so in a way, it was also about remembering a particular place and in many, and I'm also very glad that I actually wrote the stories when I did because it's a particular snapshot of a time period that in many ways is actually gone. Now, Yumna, you're a neuroscientist. How does being a neuroscientist inform your writing? So how do you approach your writing? Do you approach it from a scientific kind of view or perspective, similar to, say, journalist Will Storr's recent book, The Science of Storytelling? Uh, I suppose um, this goes back to the style of the stories. They are snapshots and they're usually based on a very strong image. Um, it might be a line connected with an image, but for me, um, the visual world is very important to to anything that I actually write. And I suppose out of all the arts that 
painting is probably the one that inspires me the most. Um, so I think in many ways I structure my writing around a particular scene. And I think anyone who's read the book, that quickly becomes very, very apparent. You know, people call it flash fiction or minimalist and things like that. But I think it's very much based on a very strong visual scene. I mean, it is so intensely visual. And you've talked about, you know, your stories being like photographs. What is the neurological connection between reading and seeing? Um, I think they say that in terms of, well, obviously reading does help the imagination, the imagination. they The two actually feed each other in many ways. Um, I know that there's a very for me, um, that reading and seeing words actually printed on a page is very important to how I learn. And they say, you know, there's very different learning styles, but that is quite important to me. And I find that, for example, in terms of memory, once it's sort of written, I remember things very well and I won't actually forget them. So um, in terms of mental processes beyond that, I'm not entirely sure, but there's a lot of literature in terms of creativity and how this all works. Um, but I've been out of the loop for a little while now with, with neuroscience. Yumna, what did draw you to short fiction? Uh, well, I, I'm not entirely sure that I was ever drawn to short fiction per se. Um, I write stories, I write short stories, I write longer stories. Um, I write, I, in many ways, the actual story itself dictates what sort of structure, you know, how long the story is going to be. So the way I tend to think of it is, you know, what is the idea and I go and explore the idea. But that said, when I actually think about, you know, when I sort of started writing many years ago, I'm not entirely sure if in terms of structure or length that things have changed. I simply write the story according to the length that I think it needs. And if I need to then go back and cut things back or expand them a little bit, I go do that. But I try and let the story dictate how it ends up looking. So the sections in the book, such as The House of Yusuf or Motherland, are described as story cycles, even though they're, for me at least, unified by narrative arcs between each of the stories involving the same characters. What's the difference between a story cycle and, say, a longer form like a novella or a novel? Why, why the distinction? I find that with a story cycle that there's a lot more room for experimentation than there would be in, say, a novella or a novel, or if you're actually following a strict narrative. And that by actually using, I suppose, a story cycle, not that it was a conscious choice, but it's what worked best, that I could actually explore the ideas I wanted to rather than being tied to an A to B to C sort of narrative structure. So I think that's where the distinction is, that it does allow for a greater for greater experimentation and i think that's one of the great strengths of short fiction over much longer fiction how do you explore those ideas i mean some of the stories are so short like a page or two pages you've talked about the story itself fitting the form or the length how do you explore those ideas in such a short or small space so concisely i think it goes back to the sharpness of the scene and I think one of the things that I started to do around the time that I started to write these stories was I'll start to take a lot of photos in and around Parramatta 
of very everyday things. And I think that has filtered through to these stories in that it's very much every single piece is based on a very specific scene. And sometimes I'm thinking here of Covered, which is probably about a page. I think the message, um, I do get the message across within a page. If I thought that it needed longer, I would actually write a slightly longer piece. But um, yeah, I try not to think too much about how long or how short a story is. I just think more about the idea and then do what needs to be done to actually explore that idea. So how did you get started writing? I mean, what made you choose writing as opposed to mm. painting or photography? Well, I think that this is a chicken or the egg question. I don't think I chose it. Maybe it chose me. <laughs> uh, I think the writing actually goes back a very long time. I remember writing when I was five years old, um, writing poetry at that age and, you know, it sort of followed me through high school. But I think in terms of writing seriously, I would say that it's been there for a very long time, almost two decades. And by that, I mean that every single day I sit down and I write. It's, it is obviously my passion. It's the thing that I love most in the world. Um, yeah. So how do you balance your commitment to your work that pays the bills and your passion? What's your writing routine like? Um, well, I think I, I write in the morning when I wake up. It's nothing serious. It's just, you know, um, whatever's there on the mind. And But in terms of the actual stories that I write, I tend to usually have a longer project that I'm working on. The current one I've been working on for about a month and a half. And then in terms of short stories, it tends to be mainly a weekend thing when I have a bit more spare time. But I find that some things, some things like a drive or going for a walk um, do provide actually a lot of ideas. So the short stories, it tends to be slightly more when, you know, the ideas actually arise. But I try and keep it as a sort of personal commitment that every single day that I write at least, you know, for 15, 20 minutes, and um, I try and make sure that nothing interferes with that. Who are your influences as writers? Um, who are your favourite writers or books <laughs> or stories? Uh, there are a lot of influences. I think um, the writers I tend to go back to are writers who I think have a very interesting style. I find that Joan Didion, Brett Easton Ellis, uh, Dom DeLillo, um, there's quite a few American writers. There's also Jean Reese and um, Board Hairs. I'm really into the South Americans at the moment. Um, yeah, these are writers I tend to go back to a lot. Um, but yeah, I'm always very keen to explore new things. But I know that generally if I go on a trip or if I go somewhere, I try and take some Joan Didion with me and I like to study her sentences. And the same goes also for Don DeLillo. I really like his sentences. <laughs> Thanks so much for your company. It's Sunil Badami here, and we're chatting with author, neuroscientist, almost painter and Joan Didion aficionado, Yumna Kassab, about her celebrated and acclaimed collection of stories, or Story Cycles, The House of Yusuf, published by Giramondo Publishing. And we're here on the Byron Bay Writers' Festival podcast, Conversations from Byron. Yumna, Michael Muhammad Ahmed, Peter Polities, you, 
Why do you think there is so much interest in Western story, Western Sydney stories now? You know, given the literary, um, critical and sales acclaim that you guys are all enjoying? Um, I think that it's, uh, with no cynicism at all, I think in a, in a way it's the flavour of the month. Um, I think I was reading recently that a lot of American writing has the very interesting American writing has actually taken place in the suburbs while people always think of literature and art as being very much in the cities, but I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think Western Sydney has a pretty strong and unique identity and for a long time maybe people were writing, they were painting, but it wasn't necessarily um, out there in the public eye. So I'm quite grateful that it is there and I suppose that at some point in the future that that sort of interest will move on to a slightly different um, location. But, um, yeah, it's a, a very interesting time. There's a lot happening um, in Western Sydney at the moment. So as you said, you know, often people associate writing, literature, high art with the city rather than the suburbs, much less the Western suburbs. And a lot of the recognition of that practice has kind of been off the map, at least for those people who aren't familiar with the intercultural exchange or um, the Riverside Theatre or Westwards or Sweatshop. So... Who are you writing for? The, the the people whose stories you're telling or those who haven't heard them? Um, I would probably say neither. Um, I think in many ways I just write the stories and I put them to one side and I see what happens. It's usually that I've got a very uh, strong idea which won't leave me alone and then at some point I think, well, I'd better pick up my pen and some paper and actually write this. Otherwise, it'll be on my mind for quite some time. I don't necessarily think in terms of an audience. Um, once it's sort of at editing stage, that's a little bit different. But when the story is actually being written, well, the door is shut and the story is actually mine. And I try and try and keep that in many ways to myself because um, I do think that I'd like to explore the story itself without actually considering too much what the outside world um, thinks it's a sort of um, a dedication to the idea to see it through to its particular end rather than you know what someone may or may not say or who might read it you know I try and avoid thinking about that actually. So how have your friends and family responded to the House of Yusuf and I guess the wider for want of a better term Lebanese slash Australian community? It's uh, the response has been very positive I think the stories have definitely resonated with people across, you know, many different communities. Um, the same up here in this regional area that I am, because I think in very, in many ways they're very human stories. Uh, the thing that I sort of take from it is that different people like different stories. There are certain stories which are very, which people often mention, and I'm very surprised that which ones they do mention. But um, yeah, I think the response has been positive. I'm quite excited that people read them, that they reread them, and they're quite happy to tell me that they've actually enjoyed them. Well, I really enjoyed The House of Yusuf. It is so resonant. It just really stays with you. And it's, it's, I think what's really amazing is, is that although my eyes were always cast over the horizon to the city, you could see kind of the city in the haze from where we grew up on Edelong Road in, in Greystains, 
it made me realize how many quiet moments of beauty there are if you're just looking in the right way, in the right place. So thank you, Yumna. Before we wind up, can we, can you please read a little more from the House of Yusuf? What part of the book is this story from and what's it about? So I'm going to read uh, Windows, which is from the first section in Motherland. This is one where I'm actually surprised at how much people really, really like this story. But it's a story sometimes that's in my mind, um, especially um, if there's been some sort of loss. And obviously every person has had some sort of loss, whether great or small, in their life. And I think it's a story that sort of resonates um, with such instances. So I'll read that. Um, I will read that one. Windows. When I was young, I was driven to school by my mother every day. She would watch the road and I would look out my window. I would watch the houses, the gardens, the other kids walking to school with their parents. I would think how nice it would be to walk to school with my parents. I watched the gardens. I would see the neighbour had a new rose bush. The tree's leaves were turning and the fence had a new gate. And I would think of our garden. It had grass and plants that were short and nobody watered. At school, I would stare out the window. This got me into lots of trouble. The teachers thought I was disobedient, but I just wanted to look out at the sky. I would look at the board, but then I would be staring outside. If the classroom was on the ground floor, I would be able to see the small houses surrounding the school and the fence, always the fence. If the classroom was on the second floor, I would be able to see into their backyards. Most had only green grass, but one had an above ground pool. I never saw it filled with water. When I began to work, I would try to walk past the window. My office was never near a window but I would go to the kitchen to make tea or coffee and I would take the long way around the cubicles, past the photocopying machine, turning before my boss's office and then slowly, slowly past the long, long window. When it rained, the ground was wet and I could see each raindrop falling. On the sunny days, I could see the sky, but it wasn't exactly blue like it should have been outside because the windows were darkened to keep the sun outside. The other day, I went to visit my mother. She sat in her chair by the window and she stared outside. But when I asked her if we should go out, she said nothing. She simply stared at the world as if she could eat it. I watched her face and then followed her eyes and wondered what she saw and if it was the same thing I saw and if ever we saw the same thing through the window. I know what I saw. It was those trees, that same tinted sky, the same small plants. Always the small plants. And I remember then the big plants I had seen when I was young and being driven by my mother to school. She died yesterday. Before they put her in the ground, I thought she would now see nothing but the earth around her, above, below and on each side. And what a change that would be after a light time of the sky. This morning, I went to look out the window but I realised that the person I was searching for, I would never see. Thanks so much, Yumna, for such an enlightening and entertaining conversation. I don't know if I'll look at our old stomping ground in quite the same way again. Thank you, Sunil, and thank you to the team at Byron for 
you know, having this opportunity to talk about the book. The House of Yusuf is published by Giramondo Publishing, and you can get it from your local bookshop, or else from the Byron Writers Festival official bookseller, The Book Room at Byron, which you can find at thebookroomatbyron.com. I'm Sunil Badami, and it's been a pleasure spending this time with you and the wonderful Yumna Kasab. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. This series has been generously supported by the Copyright Agency's Cultural Fund. For more conversations, please visit byronwritersfestival.com. Mm-hmm.